Welcome to the DNVGL Talks Energy podcast series. Electrification, rise of renewables and new technologies supported by more data and IT systems are transforming the power system. Join us each week as we discuss these changes with guests from around the industry. Welcome to a new episode of DNVGL Talks Energy. My guest today is Philippe Molombou, Chairman of the Management Board of Enedis. Welcome, Philippe. Thank you. Welcome. Thank you for inviting me. Philippe, today we want to talk about how energy companies need to adopt uh, towards the energy transition. But before we do this, it would be great if you could introduce yourself as a person, but also Enedis. Once again, thank you for inviting me. I'm Philippe Molubo. I'm the CEO of uh, Enedis. Enedis is the uh, major uh, distributor, uh, one of the major distributors in Europe. And we deliver electricity to 95% of uh, in France. We're a regulated company and uh, we are transforming ourselves uh, as fast as we can just to be able to face energy transition, which is a wonderful challenge. We see today, fortunately, that people are more and more getting aware of the reality of climate change and that there is a requirement to do something against that. Of uh, your large customer base, can you see changes in their expectations, but also changes in their behavior? Yes, obviously we can say that. Uh, only uh, perhaps five years ago we had some hesitation about the way people could uh, address these new challenges, but now we can say that people, behavior and also expectations are changing. First of all, for example, we just uh, analyzed uh, a very interesting study demonstrating that uh, people are waiting for a, a much more green energy, from uh, much more energy which is generated in their neighborhoods, these are very now important trends we have to take in, in account. The second aspect is about uh, self-generation, self-consumption. For example, now by now, people who are connected to the network with uh, solar panels on, on the roof are uh, self-consuming their energy uh, well, for, uh, at about uh, more than 60%. And they are also self-generating for their own consumption at the same uh, percentage. So that's, that's a, a huge change. For example, another example is uh, self-consumption and self-generation in a collective way. So another aspect we can, uh, we can see, and which, which is very interesting to analyze, uh, the, what we call local energy communities. That means people are now expecting more and more to share the way th their consumption of electricity because some people are not uh, in their homes, some, uh, some shops are not consuming at the same time, so they'd like to share this energy. Some people are generating, other not, etc. So at a, at a, a collective scale, we can see these changes. And is that already happening on a peer-to-peer -peer trading level or this is running through you as a utility? No, it's running through the utility because for, we have uh, now uh, a, reg a regulator who is, uh, who is now implementing new rules in the market. So he's giving also to the market new signals just to, for, uh, for example, for introducing uh, EV charging for uh, the development of self-generation or the development of, so, also of uh, renewable energy connected. So th these signals, if they are, I would say, rightly designed, are good signals also which are uh, stimulating the market and people's also people behavior and people involvement in the energy transition. Yes, absolutely. Um, I understand Enedis had also a major rollout of smart meters to their clients. So you must receive billions of data points. 
<laughs> so many people like struggle what to do with all this data. How is analysts harnessing uh, knowledge? First of all, I have to say that as a regulatory company, we do not sell these data. This, this must be clear. But uh, what can we do with the data? And why these meters have, have been, uh, of course, uh, rolled out at such a, a scale in France and in other many countries are, uh, in the world? Because, well, first of all, these meters uh, count the, the, the level of measure, the level of consumption, of, of course. They, and they, they can do also without any any connection to the to the to the people that means that you can get your the consumption from the from the any housing without any physical contact that's that's a very simple aspect but it changed also the philosophy of the way to consume and to address energy energy challenges the second aspect is that you get uh, the, the, these meters uh, work like a sensor that means that as you said we get billions of data and these data have Many, many use possible use. The first one is for the network, because if you want to address huge integration of renewable energies, of uh, as we have, we'll have probably have to face uh, uh, seven million EV charging points, self-consumption, self-generation, collective uh, self-generation. You need these data to be able to operate the network in a much more smarter way than you had never done before. That means that you have to operate the network in real time. Without any data, you can't do it. So that means that also these data are absolutely necessary to operate the network in a very different way. I used to say that we were, well, 10 years ago, operating the network in a linear way with a long-term vision. And now we're operating in the, way, the network in a systemic way and in a real-time way. So that means that data, uh, the digitization, in fact, is the, the only way to do that. The, the, the other aspect is that uh, local authorities, uh, people, uh, consumers, uh, industrial people need these data. Need these data to better master the consumption. So to give the best result, in fact, in the knowledge of their, of their consumption. And so to address energy transition challenges, because as you were saying at the beginning, people are much more aware about their impact on, uh, on energy transition. Industrial people have also constrained about their green behavior, about their green balance in their, in their business. And so they need data. They need data not only once a year, but they need, they need data at almost in real time. So that's also a way to use and to deliver data, of course, in a secure way, in a cybersecurity proof way, etc., etc. Hmm. So you mentioned uh, the intelligent uh, organization or control of the grid uh, being empowered by digitalization and data. We also see the users or the loads, if you want, so much more empowered these days. So if you look at this going forward, one could say that we need to organize the grid on entire ecosystem level. But that might also mean that industries might be sliced and diced somehow separately from how it is now. I think what I'm trying to lead at, what do you think how brave is and how brave needs to be the energy industry to kind of disrupt itself towards the business models and, and how it is organized. Well, we, we used to speak about disruption and it's true that digitalization for all the industries is a, is a disruption. And I used to say that the bigger risk we have to face is not to be uh, not to adapt <laughs> our business and our company to this new environment, to this new landscape. And this is our huge challenge. I would say we are we have the chance to, to get 
today a network which is at a very high level of performance, of resilience, and uh, which gives the, the level of quality which is uh, expected by our consumers. So it's true that with new real-time uh, management, with these new expectations, we have to deliver through these networks, which is uh, in, totally interconnected, what, what people expect. Uh, real-time, as I said, monitoring uh, of new operation, connections of every sort of EV charging points, renewable energy. So we have to deliver that in a very shorter time with much more uh, with much more security and with the data, associated data. For example, we have to have new algorithms. If you want to consume your energy at a collective level, you, ne you need data. You need also some algorithm to be able to, to adapt the way you will deliver the final result to your consumers when you organize the, the consumption at the collective level, etc. So the network has to integrate all these, all these elements. When, we, when you speak about local energy communities, that means that people want to exchange their data, their energy, so they can they they can do it, and they will they will do it through a network. Well, some people th think that they will do it in their own network, but when you have when you have a network which is already installed with all its characteristics, physical characteristics, which are resilience, which are quality, etc. So. If, if this network doesn't give the right results people are expecting, of course, there will be a challenge in that. But if it, if it's delivered, if it is delivering the right level of quality, on the reverse, on the contrary, it's a huge opportunity because you won't have to invest in other, in other network, in other, in other infrastructures. So that's our challenge. We have to, to face this challenge. We are, I think, facing the challenge. With, uh, and so that means that we have to invest, it's true, in IT, in data management, data collection, in a new way to secure the data, cybersecurity. And I think that by optimiz optimizing through the network and facing these new challenges, it's, it's one of the best solutions we can address to the, to the market. Right. You mentioned a little bit local uh, networks already, and I know that you have also an interesting project here in Samakau with a microgrid. Can you talk a bit about this and why is that relevant? Yes. Uh, two main reasons, I would say. The first one is if I, if I address my, the local market, the French local market, of course, it's uh, a distributor now, if we, if we call it a DSO, like it's the new, the new appellation that means distribution system operator needs to understand and to be able to connect itself to all sorts of distribution of electricity. And before, only uh, 10 years ago, it was only interconnected and big network. Now you know that you have micro, mini, etc. grids. That means that we have to be really uh, operational on the way to address so such a new, such an evolution on the network, micro, mini, etc. That's what we are doing through uh, Semacau Island microgrid. On the other side, another another aspect is that all this new landscape about the evolution of data of, of the grid is that it allows to address a huge challenge for humanity. It means a large part of humanity, especially, for example, here in Southeast Asia, it's the same truth in, in, in Africa. Many of these people are not connected to electricity. Mm. They haven't electricity. And with microgrids, with mini-grids, with all these new technologies, by integrating renewables, you can get, you can give access for all these people to electricity. And this is a huge opportunity on the social aspect. It's also, frankly speaking, a huge opportunity for business. And uh, what we're doing here with our French uh, partners is that we're elaborating solutions which are, uh, which are able to address this huge market, which is Southeast Asia, as well as we can address uh, the African market with our partners with the, within the EDF group and within, uh, with our, within a, a French association that gathers all the industrial partners, French industrial partners that can 
that can also uh, face this challenge that mean a containerized so, uh, a microgrid with solar panels as a generation uh, production. And uh, well, that gives very good results. And it's contributing to the sustainable development goal exactly. number seven, exactly. giving access to clean affordable energy. Uh, Philippe, earlier you mentioned electric vehicles already. Uh, DNVGL's Energy Transition Outlook talks a lot about uh, electrification of heat and transport as one uh, important contributor to the energy transition. But you are as analysts also involved in electric vehicles. Yes, as you were saying, uh, people are changing, of course, and uh, only four years ago, for example, in this room, 50% uh, of the, the people uh, were saying, yes, electric vehicle will develop, will be a huge devel uh, development, potential of development, and other, the other part say, no, no, it won't be. Now, 100% no, no, of people say, yes, electric vehicle has a huge potential of development. That's the first aspect. The second one is that as a behavior, people are also getting more and more involved in new transportation and especially in electric vehicle. It's uh, not only fashion, it's really a, a more and more a conviction that with the electric vehicle, we can face some uh, parts of the challenges of energy transition. And the third aspect is that also automotive manufacturers <laughs> are now involving in investing a lot just to, to get uh, new uh, new uh, electric vehicles and uh, I, I mean uh, batteries with wheels which is the, 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 the next uh, the next challenge so that means that for Enedis, it's for us uh, now we have to prepare the the change of rhythm we are will probably face within a couple three five years that means that we'll have first uh, first of all is the connection we'll have probably to connect uh, for example in France more than or almost uh, 7 million of uh, EV charging points. Well, that means, of course, uh, connecting them first and then also the, getting the, the right dimension of the network to, to be to integrate the power, uh, the power which will be needed for this charging because there are fast charging too, which has a strong impact on the network. So that means that we have not only to invest in the, in the wires, but of course, to invent new way to operate the network, that means smart charging, that means smart operating, that means also, once again, smart grids. So this is why EV is probably the, the next challenge we'll have to face. We were uh, dealing and uh, working with Singapore Power, for example, here in Singapore, which are also going to face the same challenge and something important, we, can, we could work together on that. So that's why for Indigis, it's, it's a very important uh, way also to to be and to remain totally connected to energy transition by connecting, by adapting the network, and by anticipating, I would say, the, the change, for example, in, uh, in housing, car park, etc., which are so very, very concrete, but also we have to give the solution as soon as you can, as we can. Philip, unfortunately, we are coming already to an end of this episode, but as last question, since we are recording this episode at the site of the Singapore International Energy Week 2018, um, it would be great if you confirm with me what would be your biggest takeaways from this conference. Well, the, the, uh, year after year, we can see that this conference is bigger and bigger and uh, more, more and more uh, connected. I would say that it's more and more really a, a place where we can uh, uh, exchange on on uh, on the challenge, and that's well probably the, the most important is that it's it's the way we can uh, share that we are facing the same challenges. At the beginning, it was, will it occur or will not occur? Are there solutions or, or, or not? 
Now, yes, we have solutions, but we have also some huge challenges. We were, we were speaking about cybersecurity, cyber about data, about personal protection for data, about uh, the way to adapt uh, the network. Now we have concrete solutions that we can share here. And that's very interesting because at the beginning it was much more a conversation. Now it's much more business oriented. And so we have to, to fit with the right, the right challenges, the right solutions. That's much more interesting, I think so. Very good, Philip. Thank you for your Thank highly you interesting insights. And uh, to the listeners, that was Philip Monlobo, CEO of Anidis. Thank you for listening to this DNVGL Talks Energy podcast. To hear more podcasts in the series, please visit dnvgl.com slash talksenergy.